one of the recent workouts we've been doing is seven 1200 meter repeats on a track with 90 second rest. It's really easy to get overwhelmed in that by the yeah. time you're in your second or third repeat because each repeat has three repeats. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, oh my God, like if I do the math on this thing, there's 21 efforts inside this thing. Mm-hmm. When you get three, four, five into them, it's really overwhelming. Overwhelming is what is the is the antithesis of resilience. Mm-hmm. So what you want to do is what Katrin does incredibly well. She goes, okay, so um, there's seven of these things. The last two will be there. So really what I got to do is get to five. That means that halfway point is two and a half. I'm on repetition number two. I'm almost halfway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she like, she just tells herself this lie essentially <laughs> that it brings her, but it brings her right back to this present moment of, I can handle this. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run, always chasing, never stop. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. Ben, how are you, my friend? I'm good, Patrick. Thank you. You're back in your office, which means you are you are no longer on summer break on the Cape. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> you happy to be home? Yeah, summer is. I uh, was. Yeah, it was a great summer. Uh, summer is not over, but of course, um, back to the regular the regular daily grind. Awesome. Okay, my friend, we're gonna do we're gonna return to our three by three. Uh, this week, uh, three by three is when I present you with three topics, three ideas, and you give us your three hot takes on each one of those ideas. Got it? Awesome. So Got today, uh, I will, I will, I'll give you a preview of what we're going to do today. Today is going to be three skills worth developing no matter your profession, three markers you should track no matter your health, and three ways to stay resilient no matter the circumstance. So we're going to start oh, so with it's that. Like, it's like the, the three by three, no matter. <laughs> That's right. Trying to get on theme here. All right. So first one, three uh, skills worth developing no matter your profession. Okay. I think that, uh, you know, regardless of your profession or regardless of where you are in your life, even if you are, don't have a profession at all, um, I think that the number one determinant of of you know, I don't should say one of the number one determinants of people's success and actually in terms of um, fulfillment and happiness in their lives is their ability to relate to other people. Mm. So for that reason, I believe that um, your people skills, your emotional intelligence, your people smarts, your EQ is something that everyone should spend time um, learning, um, working on, developing, not assuming that it's an inherent trait that some people are good at and some people are not. Um, strangely enough, YouTube is filled with these things and some of them are actually fairly good mm. about how to be a better communicator, um, how to have better presence in a room, how to um, connect with people better, how to be a better listener. Um, and I think that's not inherently saying um, that person's got it, this person doesn't leaning more into the growth mindset of this aspect would go a long way. I think that my first skill, regardless of where you are in your life, 
Um, and that is including whether you are like an engineer working in your mom's basement and you don't connect with anybody. I, you will be a more successful engineer if you get better at your communication skills. Mm, love that. And would you call it, I'm just thinking about the going to YouTube and searching for it. Would you, call, would you search for people skills? Would you search for like emotional, e, like EQ? Like what, what just, uh, how would you define yeah, you it could, maybe? Okay. So I, I always fall and find these things by, by default. Um, <laughs> but I might be watching a speech by, um, Steve jobs yep. and Steve jobs was an incredible communicator. Somebody that was able to get people excited very easily. He was a yeah. visionary that was able to share his vision. One of the reasons he was so successful was not just because of his, um, his penchant for technology or surrounding himself by with really smart people or his competitiveness or his lack of, um, care for people thinking that he was a jerk. Um, but was his ability to communicate his vision to other people. And when I watched videos that Steve Jobs is doing, for some reason on the, on the sidebar, it's all things pop up like, uh, um, 10 ways to be a better communicator. Or, um, it's also, there's great books like, um, uh, the one that was written by Chris Voss, the Mm. FBI hostage negotiator called never split the difference, which is just this all about how to communicate with people. Um, Dale Carnegie's how to win friends and influence people is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I think that one of my, my, the skill sets that I, I have in my professional career that has been developed, um, has been my ability to said in a weird way is my ability to influence people, Mm -hmm. um, uh, to get people excited about certain things. And because I've been able to get people excited about certain things, um, they see results or mm-hmm. they jump on board or we create a stronger team. Um, I am certainly really, really far from being even close to the smartest person in the world. Um, not even in the room. I'm, 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 and, um, I, I certainly struggle with lots of things like follow through attention and other things, but what I, I've been able to, and maybe that's why I put this thing first, because it's, I, I attribute most of my credit to my ability to communicate with other people and get um, clarity around certain aspects and get people to, uh, quote unquote, I, I don't like the term, but buy in. Yep. And I, I like the better word there is trust. Yep. Steve Jobs does a phenomenal job of getting people to trust his vision. And um, there were people in that were in his company that could have left to go to other companies in the Valley and get paid three times more, but they didn't because they trusted what he was creating. Yep. To me, that is so valuable, regardless of whether you are trying to uh, be a successful parent, a successful um, teacher, a successful coworker, a successful CEO, or high school basketball coach. It's your ability to communicate with people and thus build trust. And to me, that's the that's the kind of the linchpin for all of success. Is if you are able to get people to trust you, you can kind of do a lot more. Yeah. Love that. Okay. That's the first one. What's number two? Well, second, it, it probably goes a little bit. It's a, a nice segue from that one because it, it basically was, it's may it should have been first, um, but develop your ability to learn mm. to me, your ability to learn. And it's, again, this is not something that's inherent. Um, I like that. I think you call these, um, skills. I think yeah. you said yep. three skills. Yeah. So these, these to me are skills. Like um, they are not inherent traits that you're born with. And I grew up with the opposite viewpoint that I was um, I was not a good learner. 
because I had dyslexia as a kid and struggled in school and school is where you quote unquote learn. And I didn't learn as fast as other kids. So my self story that I, the story that I told myself was I'm not a good learner until I got into things that I was interested in and I couldn't stop absorbing the information. And because that I figured out ways that I do learn better. Mm -hmm. And I think that people understanding and developing their learning skills um, would go so far because essentially that's all we are, are learning machines. Everything you can do today, you could not do at one point besides the autonomic nervous system stuff like breathing, digesting, um, pooping, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Everything from talking, walking, um, playing sports, using your phone, every single thing in your life you learned if you want to better yourself, and to me, that's the pursuit of what we all should be after is this constant pursuit of betterment. It's a matter of learning. And what I've loved, what this kind of new um, paradigm that I've kind of latched onto is I'm 43 years old now. And it's so easy to say like, oh, you're on the back half of your life. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, like what else do you have left? Maybe 15 to 25 more years of of business. And then you go and like, you kick it in Florida and you, know, you sit in the lawn chair, maybe play around a golf. When you flip the script and go, think of everything I've learned in the last 43 years. Like when you think about like all of the things and the skills and what you came into this world with and what you have today, and to think that you could double that over the next 43 years, that's so cool. So eye-opening is basically like um, exploding down the walls and seeing in color for the first time. Like there is so much left to be conquered. And if I see myself as the lifelong learner, the opportunities are everywhere. Peter Drucker is considered like the, the father of modern day management. He wrote something like, I don't get this number wrong, but let's say he wrote 80 books. Yep. He wrote 65 of those books. And again, I'm gonna get the numbers wrong, but the message is there. He wrote 65 of those books after the age of 60. He basically recreated himself and um, became this world um, resource, this expert when everyone else is packing it in. Yeah. Realizing that there is so much for us to learn and then honing the skills of what learning actually is because it's different for everybody. I can't go here, you read faster. I can't yeah. go, it's comprehension. I can't go, it's memorization. I can't go, it's about um, digesting and practicing. I can't go, it's about immersing. Like it's going to be different for everybody and figuring out and learning and developing your, 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 your learning skills to me is just such a massive um, leg up on everything else. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. Uh, I don't think we've ever talked about this, but cause you mentioned, you mentioned the, the struggles that you had maybe as a kid or as a young um, in kind of learning within the within the way that we're always like told like this is learning you're either good at it or you're not as a as a dad now are you are you watching the younger kids or maybe even the older kids but like are you watching out for moments or or opportunities or or uh, traps maybe where they're falling into this this binary good or bad and like how, how do you what are you looking at or how are you making sure that, you know, I'm just thinking about Bodhi, that like Bodhi doesn't grow up thinking like, oh, you're, I'm just not good at school, I guess. I'm not that smart. 
Yeah, I, I love great question, Patrick. And spoken like a, a, a true new father, right? <laughs> yes. Two, two toddlers in the household, like the, the, um, awesome. Like you're, this is an opportunity. It just, this just oozes out of you right now. Like I, your eagerness to learn and your curiosity. It's like, it speaks volumes to um, asking cool questions like that. Um, and the answer is, I am constantly on the lookout for, you used great words there of um, traps, yeah. of um, pass, fail, good, bad. So, um, you know, if anyone that's, I'm not gonna, I'm not um, putting any new language to this. If you read the book Mindset by Carol Dweck, yep. this is all the stuff that she espouses and I couldn't agree more with it. I believe that this is the most foundational. Um, so when I work with my athletes, this is the first thing we talk about is that um, it's not about passing or failing a test. It's about learning from every opportunity. We are so fortunate that um, the school, it's a public at a middle-class um, um, town, our public school system, um, where our both our, our young kids go to school is so growth-minded. Mm. It's all about celebrating mistakes to the point where if the kids are writing out a sentence and they, um, um, they make the letter C backwards or they put a B instead of a D or they don't put, um, they're like, parents, don't correct it. They're trying and they're working. It's all about the effort. And we don't want to do anything to dissuade them from putting forth effort. They're so conscious of um, the traps that we most of us grew up with, yeah. which is, wow, great job. You're so smart, fixed trait. You yep. either are smart or you're not, the ones I grew up with. Ooh, you struggled with that. You're just not good at school. Let's find something else you're good at, fixed mindset as opposed to um, great effort on that, regardless of the outcome. It's the same way we coach our athletes. Yeah. It's not about the results, the effort for which you put forth. Um, so I'm constantly on the lookout for those things, making sure we're rewarding effort, um, commending when they do hard things. And if it's easy, this is the one that most people miss, if it's easy, kind of like um, not giving a lot of, like someone um, goes through, so if Bodhi is doing, um, his things on his iPad. There's these math programs now yep. that they do. Um, and he's going through a math program. If he gets 100% three times in a row, instead of me saying, oh my gosh, Bodhi, you're so smart, which is again, you are gonna be rewarded for doing easy things that you are gonna get 100% on. Instead, what it goes like, all right, dude, like you got this one. Let's try to find something a little more challenging. Like in all sense, yeah. you're rewarding the challenge. You're rewarding doing hard things. This is what he's going to get recognition for. And kids will search out what they get recognition for. So mm, I, I am like any parent. I am trying to work harder and harder at things like this and trying to be a better dad. But it's certainly something I'm at least um, cognizant of and um, trying to be aware of the traps and aware of the power of um, the reward systems that I'm creating. Yeah, I love that. One of the a phrase that I, I refer to a lot um, in lots of places, but with people I'm working with on, on building their brand is um, – you elevate what you celebrate, right? Love so it, you right? Ele yeah. elevate, elevate the challenge, elevate the the acceptance of the challenge, and or you, you celebrate it, and that's what that's what they get more of. I I, I love that. Um, so a quote I wrote, wrote on the board in our office today was, um, "Your focus is your reality," mm -hmm. which is a, a Jedi master um, from the Star Wars quote. Hundred percent. Um, yeah. And that's like what you focus on as the parent is the reality that they're going to grow up with. Yeah. If you focus on um, 
100%, they're just going to look for tests that they can pass. Mm, yeah. And anything that becomes a real struggle or challenge, they're going to shy away from because they know there's not going to be a reward at the end. In fact, they're going to go, this is what most parents do. It's like you come back and you someone gets a, a 78 on the test and they go, well, what went wrong? Mm-hmm. Right? Or they come back from a, um, a soccer game and they go, did you win? Well, if the reward is for winning, well, the best thing that you can do as a kid is to go against weaker opponents. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what it's that's all such about. That's a good point. Yeah. Yep. And instead, it should be no, you know, it should not be about. Um, so I, I actually changed my language with Katrin with this. Mm. I used to say it's, um, it's going to be a good day to have a good day. Mm-hmm. And now what I say is um, it's going to be a good day to overcome some adversity. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we, we want that. We want to, a challenge. It's like, let's go find some challenges. Yep. Let's go do some hard things. Yep. Like that's what we should be seeking out. Okay, so number one was uh, people skills. Number two is learning. What's the third skill worth developing, no matter your profession? Um, I, 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 I inadvertently put a little segue in there, but it's uh, <laughs> focus. Yeah, I think, I, I think that your ability, your focus, is a skill set. Now, it would have been so much easier for me to go like um, people should um, work on their. Um, skills like, um, running their driving skills and their ability to, you know, but to me, it's like these fundamental things that most people might see is just inherent in them. To me, focus, um, counts for so much. Um, focus is, this is kind of like the medical definition of, of disease. It's such a bad one, but um, of, of health. And it's the absence of disease. Mm-hmm. Focus is the absence of being distracted. Yep. You know, it's like you not getting pulled away by the 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 buzzes, the whistles, the dings, the alerts, the bright shiny objects. The um, and there's so much of it now. But for us to be productive, for us to find fulfillment in our lives, we need to stay focused. And it's going to be really, really hard because we're being distracted by things like what society tells you is important, Mm -hmm. but might not truly be the thing that you should be focusing on to find fulfillment in your life. So research tells us that in order to find fulfillment in our lives, the number one thing we should be doing is spending time with our relationships, Mm -hmm. the relationships that mean the most with us and building really strong relationships. Yet, what most of us do instead is chase the almighty dollar. Mm-hmm. And man, that's hard not, I'm not saying I, I'm great, I'm not saying I'm great at this. Like, I don't even care that much about money, but it's like this achievement thing. It's just like, I wanna do, yet at the end, all the research I've done doesn't point to that being the thing that fulfills you the most. Because yep. once you achieve, you set the bar for the next thing. And once you achieve, you set the bar for the next thing. I am now in the top 200 in the age group master's qualifier for the CrossFit Open. Once you hit that, you celebrate that for at most days, at most days, it's completely fleeting before you reset the bar for what's going to make you happy. The happiness there is fleeting and it's very, very temporary. In order to create meaningful, long lasting joy, what we actually should be focusing on more than anything else is probably more to do with like self-actualization. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like what we really need to be doing first and foremost is uh, making sure that you have the basic needs of um, air, 
water and food taken care of. Once you know, it, if you're underwater for um, a minute and a half, nothing else is going through your mind. Yeah. You don't care about you don't care about anything else other than oxygen. Yep, it's the only thing consuming your mind. Everything else goes away. That's the first need. But once that need is met and water and food is met, the next thing that we search for is um, safety, which is shelter, which is enough money to put food on the table, to pay the bills. It's like um, security. Mm -hmm. Once we have a roof over our head and research shows that this actually for most people happens around $70,000. Once you are making $70,000, earning more, believe it or not, does not create greater fulfillment. Then it becomes a sense of belonging. How do you, um, where do you fit in in the tribe? And that's why we are constantly ranking ourselves. You walk in the room and right away, subconsciously you're going, who's the alpha male? Who's the alpha female? Where do I fall in the tribe? Mm -hmm. Then from there, it goes up into importance. How can I stand out inside the tribe? Once I feel a part of the tribe, then I wanna know how I can stand out inside the tribe. And then the final piece of this is self-actualization, where there's no stress, you're free to kind of do what you want to do, you um, find things that find great self-enjoyment, you don't have guilt or anything else. In order to get there, you have to stay so focused on that because society is telling you that the fancy watch is going to make you fulfilled. It's telling you that the promotion is going to make you fulfilled. It's telling you that the chocolate chip cookie is going to make you fulfilled. It's telling you that all of these things that are not in line with our in line with self-actualization are the things that are create ultimate fulfillment. I think it takes an incredible amount of focus. Now you could sub out the word mental toughness if you want there. Yep. Cuz it's the same thing to me. You have, it takes an incredible amount of mental focus to stay dedicated on your path. And to me, that is a skill that all of us could do a better job of kind of pursuing. Love that. Okay, so that's people skills, learning, and focus. Those are the three skills. Next one, three markers you should track no matter your health. Okay, so we spoke to this a little bit, uh, a couple, uh, I think we kind of, this was like one of the little tangents we went on in one of the other previous podcasts we did recently, but um we we're kind of saying like, if you had one, oh, if you yeah. had heart, one, uh, I think heart that, rate, heart rate, resting yeah, yeah, heart yeah. rate. So Couple I think that resting heart rate's yep. a really good one. Yeah, I, yeah, I think resting heart rate is a really, really good one. Um, I think it has a, you know, if you told me that your resting heart rate was um, 36, I can probably draw a pretty good correlate to the rest of your health. Mm-hmm. Um, if you told me your resting heart rate was 97, um, I could probably draw a lot of correlates to the rest of your health. One of those, the 37 being pretty darn good. Yeah. Your heart only has to beat about once every two seconds, whereas the other one, your heart has to beat one and a half times every second. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would that would paint a really good picture of your overall health. Yep. Um, the next one, I think, would also um, do a pretty good job of this, which is just your um, your body comp, your body fat. Mm, yep. Um, you know, if you, it's a similar story, if you tell me that your body fat is um, 10%, I can probably draw a fair amount of correlates to your overall health. Now, these are these are far from perfect, yeah. right? Very, very far from perfect because you could have uh, an endurance athlete um, that has a very low resting heart rate, very low body fat, and still be sick. So none of these things are perfect. Um, but three markers, the question was three markers that I think people should be paying attention to. I think it's how you worded it. Yeah, uh, you should track. Some, yeah, same. You should track. Yep. I, I think that- 
these things tend to track with other stuff is what I'm saying. Like as your body comp improves to a certain extent, it can have a negative effect. Um, things start, things kind of go well, yep. more so than cholesterol, more so than blood pressure, more so than um, triglycerides. So to me, resting heart rate and body comp are two of those. Okay, so um, a third? Yeah, if I was to do a third, it might not necessarily be um, like a marker in, sen- in the sense of a marker that we, uh, I'm kind of switching my thoughts in real time right now. Um, <laughs> But I'm not going to say it's a marker, um, but it is your mobility, Hmm. your flexibility. Interesting. I just think that that there's so much, and I'm not saying like you have to be able to do a split, but in terms of functionality in everyday life, um, your mobility, I believe, has so much to do with your quality of life. If you cannot, if you don't have the range of motion to pick something up off the ground, you can't live a normal life. If you can't, don't have the range of motion to get up off the ground when you've fallen down, like you can't live a normal life. If you don't have the range of motion to put your t-shirt on over your head or reach for the um, the, the cookie jar above um, in the top drawer of the cabinet, you can't live a normal life. Essentially, people don't go to the nursing home because they're sick. They go to the nursing home in large part because they lose functionality. Now, functionality is one part of functionality is mobility. The other is, so that's like large distance. The other part of functionality is large loads. Mm -hmm. And the other one is to be able to move things quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, So to me, like that mobility aspect is is kind of key. And if I was to tie one thing to that, I would just like show me your, um, you don't even need a piece of equipment. Just show me an, an overhead squat with your mm. arms above your head. Yep. And um, to me, that is, it shows all the mobility you need about the, the major joints, the ankles, um, your hips and your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And if you have good mobility um, through late life, um, we can kind of do a lot. Dig it. Okay, heart rate, body comp, and mobility. Last three, three ways to stay resilient no matter the circumstance. Okay, so resilience um, is like grit, right? Mm-hmm. Resilience is the ability to keep going when things get tough. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of tied to what we were talking about in this first piece of this conversation. Yeah. Um, in terms of the um, learning aspect. Yep. Um, if it's about grit, if it's about resilience, it's about fortitude, if it's about keep going when um, things get tough. To me, um, what we're really talking about there is like, how do you present yourself? How do you prevent yourself from becoming overwhelmed? Mm, yep. That's really what the, actually this really comes down to. Yep. So the reason people um, quit, um, the reason people give up, the reason people get overwhelmed or stressed out and thus are not resilient is because they're not focusing. This is like hmm. beating a drum for this podcast, but yep. they're not focusing on the things that they have control over and ignoring the things that they cannot influence. And they're allowing those non-influential factors to creep in their head and distract them. Um, common theme throughout the podcast. Yeah. Uh, the idea behind this is if you want to be resilient, let everything outside of your control go. You have no control over most things in your life. You do have control of how you respond to them. In fact, you really have no control over anything other than 
your resilience mm-hmm. other than your ability to respond to these challenges. So when you do this, essentially what you're doing is going, it doesn't matter what happens around me. In fact, the more hard things that come at me, the more of an opportunity I have to work on my resilience. Mm-hmm. And then the things that were before obstacles, before things that you had to overcome, before things that would derail you now become opportunities for you to work on the very thing we're talking about, which is becoming more resilient. Mm -hmm. This is all about becoming. It's not about where you are right now. Mm -hmm. It's about, it's not about be, it's not who you are right now. It's who you're becoming in the process. And when you start to realize it's how you work work on that small circle of control and ignore everything else outside of that, that resilience just goes through the roof. Mm. Yeah, I love that. So I love that. Uh, I don't. I don't know if you'd use this word, but but focus again. B- back yeah, to it's, the it's fo- same idea, so right? It's all this stuff on. is like right because like all these things are actually completely synonymous. Yep. Um, focus, growth, mindedness, um, resilient, grit, and mental toughness are all the same thing. Yep. So you go. How do you become more mentally tough? Well, you focus. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you become more growth minded? Well, you you um. You figure out what you have control over and what you don't. It's just like they're yeah. all like yep. this circular loop. One one defines the other. Yep. Given that, do you have two more ways to say resilient, or is that such a yeah. su- such a powerful way that <laughs> that's all you no, need? No, I mean it's it's going to be the, that's going to be the the umbrella yeah. um, that encapsulates it all. But there's certainly other things underneath it, and one of them is um, again the, we're using the word, but focusing on the present moment. Mm. Um, you know, this idea that this too shall pass, you know, so it's the people, um, that make it through hell week, Mm -hmm. you know, for the Navy SEALs, those are the people that don't get overwhelmed, lack of resilience by the enormities of the challenge. Essentially what they do in hell week is kind of the same deal that they've been doing all along except that they just do things back to back to back to back to back to back to back with no breaks. Mm -hmm. And what happens is people get overwhelmed by the enormity of the whole thing, but they don't necessarily bring in that many new challenges. It's still log PT, it's still surf survival, it's still lack of sleep, it's still the O course, it's still um, boat, uh, small boat challenges, it's still all the other stuff. But what they do is they go, oh my God, this is only nine hours into this and I have to do this for a week and the enormity of what's to come overwhelms them. Mm-hmm. Whereas if they just went like, I can do this log PT, um, this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. Katrin is very good at this. Yeah. Um, when we do, and particularly with really hard um, endurance efforts. So she breaks it down incredibly well to the point where we laugh about it. It's actually a, like an internal joke now. But if we're doing, um, let's say one of the recent workouts we've been doing is seven 1,200-meter repeats on a track with 90-second rest. So let me just – because that's kind of – to me, that's yep. just such easy. But it's three laps around a track. That's one 1,200. Yep. So almost a mile. Yep. You rest 90 seconds and you do it again, mm-hmm. three laps around a track. You rest 90 seconds and you do it again. You do that seven times. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to get overwhelmed in that by the yeah. time you're in your second or third repeat because each repeat has three repeats. 
<laughs> so you're like, oh my God, like if I do the math on this thing, there's 21 efforts inside this thing. Mm-hmm. When you get three, four, five into them, it's really overwhelming. Overwhelming is what is the is the antithesis of resilience. Mm-hmm. So what you want to do is what Catherine does incredibly well. She goes, okay, so um, there's seven of these things. The last two will be there. So really what I gotta do is get to five. That means that halfway point is two and a half. I'm on repetition number two. I'm almost halfway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she like, she just tells herself this lie essentially <laughs> that it brings her, but it brings her right back to this present moment of I can handle this. Yep. And then what she does is she goes, well, you know what? Like this is going to take me about 50 minutes to mm-hmm. do this effort. Mm-hmm. Whether I'm doing this right now or I'm sitting on the couch doing Netflix, 50 minutes is going to pass. Yep. It's going to be 50 minutes regardless of what I'm doing. And both those 50 minute effort, those 50 minute um, events are going to pass regardless. Mm-hmm. So I could sit here and suffer in my own mind, or I could just talk, think about this one second right here. And can I do this right now for another 10 seconds? Yes, I can. Okay, and just cause that, can I do this right now for another 10 seconds? Yes, I can. And just stay focused right here in this present moment. It's so cliche at this point, this idea of like being present, mm-hmm. but there is a reason for it. Uh, it's um, people either get, it's, it's PJ Flex thing about rowing the boat. Um, his whole idea behind his whole mantra behind building a uh, a uh, a national championship football team. Mm-hmm. He was with Western Michigan, took a, a a winless organization to an undefeated season um, in just two or three short, very short years, um, which is really hard. We think of how hard it is to recruit in the NCAA for a team that has never won a game. Mm-hmm. Like that's not easy to do. <laughs> and to flip that program around, then he got invited to go to Minnesota which is a big 10 school, massive real competition. And he turned that program around to where he's beating top five teams and was essentially like um, a a national championship contender for a little while. That's legit. Like that's a really strong leader. And his whole ethos is built around this analogy of rowing the boat. Mm -hmm. It's about staying present. When you're rowing a boat, you're facing backwards. You can't even see what's coming at you. You don't know if there's gonna be calm seas or a storm ahead of you. And guess what? If you roll the boat long enough, you're going to enter a storm. <laughs> yeah. So it's gonna happen. So don't worry about it. What you need to do though, what you can see is what's behind you. And what you need to do though, is not focus just on what's behind you. Cause if you do, you're gonna miss perfectly putting your oar in the water in sync right now. Mm-hmm. You have to be focused on putting the oar in the water right now but you can't see the past. So let's learn from it. Let's just learn from the past, anticipate the challenges ahead, and then stay focused right now as working on a team together, doing the job to the best of your ability right now. It's not about playing Michigan in week six. It's not about winning a national championship. It's not about going undefeated. It's about doing this drill right now to the best of your ability. Learn from the past, Anticipate challenges in the begin in the upcoming up, but it's really about just staying present. Love that. Uh, focus on controllables. Focus on the present moment. Third um, way to stay resilient it is is just have perspective. Mm. Um, you know, it's so easy to get overwhelmed by things, and if you kind of bring a little bit of perspective to things, like 
you could relate to this fairly well, having uh, two young kids, but it's really easy to get um, to not be a resilient dad and kind of yeah. like end up crying in the fetal position <laughs> of your kid's room while they're like screaming in their crib. And you're like, yeah. what the, when you realize when you, but when you zone out a little bit yep. and you realize what's actually going on, like this is not that bad. Yeah. Like yep. it's just not, it's just not that bad. There are people dealing with really horrific things in this world right now. It's really easy for us to play the woe is me card. Mm -hmm. It's really easy for us to feel sorry for ourselves. It's really easy for us to not be resilient and give up in the moment and have a breakdown. When you zoom out for a little bit and go like, wait a minute, like I got two amazing kids. Mm -hmm. Like what I would give up to have these two kids and realize how grateful you are. And then go, and there are people that have really challenging situations that have two kids. Yeah. Like really, really challenging situations. The amazing part is some of these people do this um, voluntarily, but, um, and you realize when you put perspective to your challenges and the enormity of this, um, this is one of the things that created some level of resilience um, for me when I was doing Ironman triathlons. Mm. Um, it would be very easy to get kind of overwhelmed by the magnitude of swimming um, yeah, two and a, you know yeah. two miles, biking 112 miles, and then having to run a marathon. Um, but when I entered into becoming an Ironman, I was also really enamored with the Navy SEALs, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Listen, like this 12 to 17 hour effort is just not. It's nowhere near what those guys are going through that have to do this." through Hell Week, and by the way, Hell Week is the introduction to the really hard stuff mm. that they then have to go through for five, six, seven, nine months. Like they have to do nine months. I'm just doing this for like 10, 11, 12 hours. Mm -hmm. Like, come on, Ben, like, let's go. Like, you got this. Mm -hmm. Love that. Um, okay. And then the Navy SEALs bring it to, they go, well, there are people that have been in prison or war camp mm. for five, 10, 15, you know, months. And then the people have been in five, 10, 15 months ago, there are people that have been here for five, six, seven years and have been tortured. And you go, there are other people that have been, and it's like, there's always this level of perspective that you can bring to this. And it's not like find the worst case scenario and bring comparison to it. It's just realizing that like you telling yourself the story of feeling sorry for yourself, is that really serving you? Mm -hmm. And trying to break that habit, mm -hmm. bring awareness to it. Yep. That's awesome. Controllables, present moment, and perspective. I love that. All right. That was that was a great conversation. Three skills worth developing, three markers you should track, and three ways to stay resilient. Thank you, as always, Ben. Thank you to everybody who listens, sends us notes, leaves ratings and reviews. And we'll be back next week for another episode of Chasing Excellence. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time. Thank you for listening.